0: Our speaker is Robert uh, Robert P. So, Robert, the floor is yours. Oh, thank you very much. The floor is mine. Um, so, my name is Robert, and I'm a very grateful member of Alcoholics Anonymous and very happy to be uh, asked to speak. Thank you so much. Very kind of you to invite me along. Um, I love I love Tusnua. When I first came uh, to the world of Zoom and I saw Tusnua, um, and I fancy myself trying one day to learn Gaelic, and I looked it up, and it says "new beginning." And I rather, I rather like the look of that, the sound of that. And um, and 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 when I when I t- I find I found now, find nowadays when I tell my story of recovery, I have to go right back to the very beginning because that's where it makes sense for me. And it's partly because I also um, have been attending Al-Anon for nearly as long as I've been attending AA, and I've been an Alateen sponsor for the past seven years which is the uh, for those of you not aware it's the it's the part it's the portion of um, Al-Anon for teenagers affected by alcoholism and and, and, and drug use and it's really giving those kids support so the reason i say that is because i was actually born in dublin which is another nice link to snore i was born in dublin um, and and into a very very chaotic violent alcoholic household and the reason i start there is because i was really aware of alcoholism and the impact of alcoholism on families as a as a as a child as a baby because i we left we left dublin to come to england when i was uh, about 3 years old but i have memories of the absolute chaos and violence in our household as a result of alcoholism so i kind of think sometimes that alcoholism is in my dna not just in terms genetically but in terms of how it um impacted on me growing up. So my whole childhood was dominated by the chaos of alcoholism. Simple as that. Now I could spend the whole time telling you my telling you my father's story, but I'll I'll try and resist that. But it's so important because I was the middle middle of three boys, and I was the one that was the fixer. I was the one that tried to save my family from the chaos of alcoholism. Even even into my twenties. And even into my 30s, and finally into my 50s, and I might come to that because my father actually got 21 years of sobriety, then picked up a drink after 21 years um, at the age of 75 and started fighting in bars again and causing mayhem and chaos until he died a very gruesome death 10 months later, where there was a murder inquiry because of the chaotic circumstances in which he found himself. And maybe I'll stop there, but you get the you get the gist of it. I was very and I was very well aware of of alcoholism and its impact on 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 individuals and the family. And even with my father, um, I, I as a small child, I, I I know I kind of understood what was happening. I realised that he was he was so different when he was drinking. You know, he wasn't a violent man when he wasn't drinking, but you give him a bottle of Jameson's and Uh, 10 pints of Guinness and all hell let loose and he was a heavyweight boxer so he was a big man he fought in the streets and then he brought that chaos and 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 violence back into our household and my mother was subjected to that and she became an alcoholic because she said to me was when I was a teenager it's the way I can deal with it and um she died an alcoholic death herself and and that was all very sad but I was aware of it and I was also aware that there must be a way out of this. And as I was growing up, it, I was constantly watching my father. This is in the 60s and beyond, trying to find a solution. He'd go to drying out clinics. They used to put them in. He had electric shock therapies. They'd put them in because he was a manic depressive as well. and um, And none of it worked. And then I do remember when I was about 27 and he was in his 50s, Uh, we were my parents in their 50s they were living in a squat would you believe it you know in their 50s in in the east end of london um and their only their only companions were all the pigeons that used to share the flat with them there were pigeons everywhere it was was like a vim vendors film if anyone's ever seen wings of desire but it was a very weird weird environment and anyway he came back one night and i can remember it like it was yesterday and he said he said i think i found something and he said i've been to this aa meeting and um People talked about their experiences of being alcoholics. And he said, I've not heard that from anyone else in all the all the various situations of help he looked for. He'd never heard that. But I remember I thought, how can it be that after all these years of all these things that have been attempted on you to this what talking to other alcoholics? So and he bought the big book, but he bought the big book home. And I remember reading it then and thinking, wow. Like reminded me of the Bible because I was in a religious cult when I was 19. So I kind of, one of my my attempts to make sense of the world, I thought this reminds me of um, the religious cult. Um, So I put that to one side. Never imagined myself um, going down the same line as my father. Although when I first picked up a drink at 16, I drank to um, excess. I drank to blackout. My very first drink um, was a bottle of Bacardi not my very first drink, but my very first serious drink was a bottle of Bacardi all by myself and I blacked out. And the simplest thing I can tell you about my recovery or rather my drinking career was I I picked up a drink at 16 and I blacked out and I came to it 38 and three quarters. No, 39 and three quarters. Yeah, 39 and three quarters. Because I blacked out at every single time I went drinking. I never, ever, ever could contemplate for I imagine what people might call a social drink. I can't see what the appeal of that is. My notion of drinking was to drink to access and to drink to to oblivion. And I did it all the time. And I've shared this many times as well. And it's, you know, the thing is when you've only got one story, you either lie or exaggerate, or you tell the, much the same story again. So I'm going to try and tell the same story again. So I then I then experimented with all the drugs I could get my hands on because I thought, well, let's see what these do for you." So I, I was talking to someone about magic mushrooms only yesterday because of course, there's this huge yeah re, re interest now in magic mushrooms as a as a um, therapeutic agent, but I I, I I remember you know someone said, "Magic mushrooms make you feel different. I tried those, marijuana, I smoked endlessly, I had a 14-year marijuana habit, cocaine, heroin, the whole lot. You know, ecstasy. No, not ecstasy. Um, but um, um, hallucinogenics. Uh, and at one point I thought, well, maybe I've just got a drug problem and not an alcohol problem. But the alcohol in my drinking career resulted in two broken marriages, with two with a son from each of those marriages being left behind. In fact, as I was sharing earlier on, the reason I'm sitting where I am now in London, my my middle son is downstairs with his. Um, with his twin baby girls, who I'm the grandfather to, and yeah, there's a nice ending to that because that's all been really nice. And ironically, and I'll whisper this, I'm actually um, staying in my ex-wife's flat while she's on holiday, and she's she's given me her flat to stay. And so, you know, there there is there is there is a huge amount of reparation in recovery. And I I, I did when I when I did get sober, I did go through the steps and I did make amends, and it's been hugely powerful in my own story. But in any event, chaos ensued, I'd I i was um, I'd been in and out of police cells, I had this fantasy about becoming a heroin addict on the street, because I in my work life, I was involved in setting up some of the early, early harm reduction programmes in the UK, and then latterly in, in Australia, and I had this notion that it wouldn't be great if I became one of the clients, you know, that kind of ridiculous, sort of warped sense of fatality we sometimes have, but um, that's where I was at the end of my drinking. I was actually working on um, HIV programs in America at the time, and I got twelve step by a guy in San Diego, in California, on December the nineteenth. Well, December the twentieth. I went to my first meeting, nineteen ninety two. So that's a little over thirty odd years ago, and um I had the same experience my dad had. Now I think about it, and I had tried many things prior to that to get to deal with my drinking and drugging. I tried. Religious cult. I tried revolutionary socialism. I tried therapy. I tried, you know, um, um, retreats, monastic retreats, tai chi, blah, de blah, all that stuff. None of it worked. But like my dad, I went to this meeting and I had a epiphany. It was people sharing about their experience, their strength, and their hope, which I hear all the time. And I absolutely clicked with that. That's what I clicked with. And then I was going, I was living in London. So I was getting straight back on the plane to London. And they told me in California, I went to a couple of three meetings there. And they said, stick with the winners and find the solution. And that's always been in my mind. So I I got back to London. And I immediately sought out meetings that focused on recovery because I'd seen from my dad's experience as well that there was a recovery program on offer. And we we're in a secular meeting, and I'll come to my experience of sector AA. But I actually had no thank God for Jimmy Burwell. You know, Jimmy Burwell was the atheist who insisted step two says a power greater than yourself rather than God. And that's what I focused. on. I've, I've never heard of Jimmy Burwell until two, until three years ago, which is also a very strange thing. I have been in AA for 27 years and no one ever mentions Jimmy Burwell. You hear about Dr. Bob and you hear about Bill Wilson, but you never hear about Jimmy Burwell. You never hear about Frank Parkhurst. You never hear about Margaret Mann, who's probably one of the most significant feature, figures in AA history. Anyway, I hadn't heard of any of those. and But I did actually live off step two power great yourself so to me that could be the collective consciousness in the room it could be the power of the universe i didn't care but i got it and my experience has been in aa that i actually you know i worked the what we sometimes call the traditional program or the suggested 12 steps to the best of my ability i balked continuously at the literature um and i'm not here to to um berate the literature but when i read we're agnostics i thought this isn't we agnostics. This is if you're an agnostic, just pray harder and you'll be cured. It's a bit like you know, one used to say with you know homosexuals. You know, if you stop thinking about other men, you'll be cured of it. And I thought this that's not. And then to the wives, you know, excuse me, as a man writing to the wives, and as as we turn out, as we all know now, it's basically Bill's apology to Lois for his infidelities. You know, I'm just a, I'm just a, a poor sad alcoholic, and I can't keep my keep my zip of my pants unzipped. But anyway, I was zipped up, rather. But I I, I stuck with it. And I've still got a great... um, Fondness is the wrong word. I've got a respect for that. Remember, that was the 1930s. It was straight out of the Oxford group. Um, It's got its time and its place. And as we know, Bill Wilson was only three years sober when he wrote that. And 30 years later, you know, fast forward to 1965 and many, many... Um, articles and statements at conference he was very clear you know that book has its time and its place but we need to move on we need to we need to integrate new thinking etc cetera, etc cetera. so anyway i did that i stayed sober in london for 12 years very happily you know had a sponsors i'd sponsor sponsee sponsors and you see the thing is now i don't know if this is anyone else's experience in this room no one ever told me secular AA existed and it had existed for years. You know, it's always been there. No one ever told me. No one ever mentioned Jimmy Burwell. No one ever mentioned Margaret Mann. No one ever mentioned Frank Parkhurst. No one ever mentioned that there was all that debate in the early writings of AA about, you know, how much of the Oxford group should be infiltrated and and, and, and inveigle its way into the into the big book. But anyway, I I I I I very successfully stayed sober, and it's and, it, and those twelve steps, and I'm still a great believer in the recovery program, which I'll talk about in a minute. Those twelve steps were were very significant, especially because I was 39 and two failed marriages, two failed marriages, especially you know recognizing. My part in 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 my in my step four and step five and realizing that you know there are amends to be made, and I can make those amends and I, and I have done and I've done formal amends literally with these two wives I'm talking about I did sit down with them and do you know my first wife um um who I'm going to see on Sunday we only finally I only finally made amends to her about five years ago because she refused to see me because the, the chaos in, I caught the chaos, of course, her in life was, was beyond measure. It was appalling. But anyway, she finally said to me about five years ago, she lives in Spain now, but she she was coming to England, she said, Let's meet up. And we met up and she said, Look, I want to talk, I want I want to talk to you. And she sat me down, and she's for about two hours, and I don't think it was much less than that, she just told me how it was for her, how my behavior had really f- impacted on her life, and she said it even still impacts on her life now. And I sat there, and I just listened, and I listened. And it's interesting, because this was me, made, in a way, making an amend without saying a word. And at the end of it, she said to me, and I'll never forget, she said, look, Robert, she said, I'm really pleased that you haven't tried to contradict me all the way through this. You let me say what I needed to say, which I've been needing to say for 30 years, nearly. Well, actually, it actually was probably back years because we, we split up way before I got sober maybe even 40 years, I can't even think. And she and and that and that and that was an, an amazing afternoon and, and and that's repaired in many ways. It hasn't changed the past, but it's repaired some of that damage in a way. And and I'll never forget her saying that because she said she, she thought she she was very wary about doing this because she thought I was going to spend the whole time interrupting her, contradicting her, and telling her it wasn't like that, you know, you got it all wrong. And what about what about you? Because I mean she you know, in a marriage everyone has their parts are in a partnership. So that was very powerful. Um, but then when I got to, I came to Australia 18 years ago um, for work essentially, only for, I've signed a three-year contract. I've been there ever since. And I, I then looked around for meetings to go to and I actually found the the most um, traditional meeting you could come across. It's called the Deal Men's Group on a Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. And it's, it's, um, it's, uh, Lineage goes back to the Pacific group in California, in Los Angeles, which is that plants in all those people. And then something called the Dog on the Roof group. Um, I think that's in, in California as well, uh, which are very, very powerful 12 step big book, you know, our way or the highway, which they actually say. And they say, just focus on the black bits on the white pages in the blue book, pages 101 to 164. So it's like that. And I, and I went to that meeting for um, um, fifteen years until COVID hit. Then COVID hit, and now this is where I'd like to get a bit current. When COVID hit, what I've been doing is I've been rereading the Big Book every day. I'd read a page of it, and I I'd thought, because I'd, they used to have a Big Book study at my meeting, and I thought, do I need? Do I really need to keep reading this? So I do. I do that, and I do the daily reflection. So I was getting a real infusion of God. Because if you look at daily reflection as someone's, some nerd has analysed it, 274 of the 365 Daily Reflections are very God-focused. Now, that's fine if you've got a, a deity in your life, but if you haven't, it's a bit jarring. And I thought, no, I'm going to give myself permission to, to, to read more broadly. I've always, I've always um, identified as an agnostic, always have done. I used to identify as an agnostic with faith, um, but I've always identified as an agnostic. So I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'll allow myself to start reading more broadly and start reading first up about agnosticism. And by 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 happenstance and the internet, when I put agnostic in there, one of the things that came up very early on was the, the website, aaagnostica.com, which is that website that's been run for, I think, about eight or nine years um, for agnostics and atheists and AA. So I started reading through some of their... Literature and some of the posts, and what shocked me beyond belief, and I'm going to say this, is that I started reading about what happened in Toronto in 2010 when they, when the um, Ontario and um, Central Service Office delisted secular meetings because of their um, uh, insistence on not using the 12 steps. And I'm the reason I was so shocked was not so much that it happened, but I'd never heard about it. I'd never heard about that. And, you know, I started asking people in Australia and they'd never heard about it. And they'd never heard that it took them seven years and multiple court cases. And the the World Service Office in New York putting thousands of dollars into high-class lawyers to try and defeat these this group for them to be relisted again. And that that rather, rather shook me because I thought, hold on, what is going on here? So the more I read, the more I delved into it, and then I saw, you know, this whole stream of, secular AA, which was far more conducive to my, my my kind of um view of the world and my view of the world if, if anyone asks me now is it's, 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 I, I i say i'm um an apathetic which is this kind of tradition that goes back to 17th century french philosophy that the question of is there a god or isn't there a god is irrelevant because it's a question made up by man it's not. It's not a divine question. It's a question, that's Made that by man. so I then started reading around the agnostic thing. That led me to the Taoists, to the Buddhists, to um, uh, the art uh, because of my Irish heritage. Looking at Irish um, uh, culture and culture and 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 belief systems. Um, then the the Quakers. I got into the Quakers. This is uh, throughout COVID. And um, um, Meister Eckhart, the 13th century cleric, who's very interesting on. On kind of theology and stuff so i just started reading really really broadly and th- and going to zoom meetings because of course the reason i'm on this zoom meeting here is because that lovely website the or whatever it is um shows me that there are 700 meetings zoom meetings of sector meetings around the world in a week and what's beautiful about it i'm in london now i live in australia but it, it you know it readjusts the times for me so i know where, where, where you know which meetings suit so i went to during Covid I went to so many of those meetings and um, and i'll just i just spend the last couple of minutes bringing you right up to date because where I am now uh in melbourne there were there was one sort of um secular meeting, but it was to my i went to it, but it was it was um it didn't have a focus on recovery because what I was very interested in was looking at all these various alternative versions of the 12 steps because i absolutely believe and that doesn't have to be everyone's experience that the 12-step program is very powerful for alcoholics and addicts etc etc so i loved all the variations on the um the 12 steps so we set up a free thinkers meeting with the free thinkers steps and we actually hang the suggested with a big big capital suggested steps on one side of the room to you know to show that there is a there is a you know there is a tradition here and there is a that's where they come from but then next to them we have the free thinker steps and um, and then um we have a meeting that's based on a, a share where somebody can choose any literature they like from any you know um any literature and, and there's an interesting um Uh, a footnote to this because when people said well they're not conference approved i checked the new york office about what conference approved means and all conference approved means is it's gone through the literature committee and then gone to conference but as they say in a um a statement from march 2023 which is only a couple of few months ago that doesn't mean they disapprove of anything else every group is autonomous and you can use whatever literature you like so that's where we came down with that and the, the purpose of the meeting was to give an opportunity to people who can't fake it to make it. Like I did, you know, I lived off step two, like I said at the very beginning, but not everyone can do that. And you know, in the last six months, that meeting's been running six months, we've had so many people turning up at the meeting, literally saying they'd given up on AA because they couldn't deal with the God concept. And that's, the tr- that's exactly what's been happening. It happened last night, because it was Thursday last night, um, whatever it is, where are we? No, it's Thursday this evening. Oh, yesterday. Oh God, I don't know. Whatever, whatever it was. And uh, we had three newcomers and one of them said, you know, they 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 stopped going to AA because of that reason. And it's and it's absolutely rejuvenated my own recovery experience and my own service experience. And um, I'm very excited uh, that only yesterday, I'm in, I'm in London, I met up with an ex-sponsee of mine who lives up in Shipley, which is a town in the sort of north of England near Bradford. Um and he's we talked, we 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 walk, we walked around London yesterday, we ended up at the Tate Gallery, lovely exhibition there at the moment. And we talked endlessly about AA and he said that he'd been looking, he didn't know about all this stuff I've been telling him about, and it's something that he knows is really In demand in his area, and and I just sent him today a whole heap of information about, you know, how to set up a secular meeting and the sort of resources available. And he he emailed me back about two hours ago, saying he's going to do it. He's going to set up a free thinkers in Shipley meeting. So, onwards and upwards, team. That's all I can say. And um, I'm now on twenty five past, which I was told was as long as you need to share for So, thanks so much, everyone, for doing service in the meeting. And I'm looking forward to the rest of it. Thank you so much.